0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, March the 28th, 2023. It is currently 3.48 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where we have had... A journey today in broadcasting, have we not? We've had a, a, an experiment in broadcasting. Our, our broadcasting was experimental today. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you were listening this morning, it, wow, what a day. I mean, it was, it was designed to be a day of broadcasting and it's turned into one broadcast. And now here is the second, but in the middle of that, experimental broadcast, even though it wasn't supposed to be experimental, it was supposed to be just your normal broadcasting, even though it didn't really work that way. After all of that was said and done, after everything happened, and I've tried to get, I've tried to do a couple of things today. As I've tried to get some things done, I heard a knock on my door. I opened my door. I opened the package and guess what was inside the package? A book, ladies and gentlemen, a book, a book. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to spend some time looking at this book. We're going to spend some time with the introduction of this book, and we're just going to see what it's about. I mean, this is kind of, there's no, there's no, I haven't planned this. This is just one of those typical Theology Central podcasts where I just, something happens, and I'm like, let's turn on the microphone and talk about it, sometimes without any preparing, without any planning, without any producing, without any writing, just a person sitting in front of a microphone wanting to talk about something that hopefully you will find to be beneficial and helpful. Hopefully it will. Now, this morning, I I was trying to do something beneficial and helpful because there was a devotional written in the 1800s that referred to the Bible as being experimental. And I was like, how is the Bible experimental? So we looked at all the possible ways it could be considered experimental. And then we looked at it being experiential. And then we started talking about this distinction between experimental, experiential. And well, I threw that out there. Haven't received a lot of emails about that today. Uh, I don't know if anyone has any thoughts, but it deals with, well... The Bible and how we approach the Bible and how we read the Bible and how we understand the Bible and 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 how do we understand it being experimental versus experiential and if it is it, is it those things is it not those things and I think we raise some important questions. Hopefully, people will engage in that conversation, but in a roundabout way, the book that arrived, I think it's connected to that discussion. I think it's that it's it's adjacent to that conversation, at least I think so, because the book that I received is called, Come and See the Journey of Knowing God Through Scripture. All right, now, we went with, uh, so think about what we've done today. We have the word experimental. Is the Bible experimental? We ha- Is the Bible experiential? And now we have knowing something through scripture. So is the Bible more about knowing about information or is it about exper- being experimental is it about being about an experience or is it about knowing something sometimes people get where well knowledge just puffs up so so you can't just approach the bible in a knowledge as a knowledge pursuit you've got to approach the bible in a for an, an experimental or an experiential pursuit and and I think this just this really shows you how people approach the scriptures in very, very different ways. But the name of the book is Come and See: The Journey of Knowing God Through the Scripture. I, I love the, the cover, I love the, the colors here. It's got some trees, hills, and a mountain with the sun behind it. We're seeing this artwork showing up on so many different things. Um, I like the feel of the of the book. It's very, it's very small and compact. It's only a hundred and what, like thirty-eight pages. Let me see, not even that. A hundred and thirty-five pages. So it's a very short read, small book. You can carry it with your Bible um, or with a, a small journal and a pencil. You can uh, go anywhere and work on it. So we're going to dig into it. And I, I don't know what, what this is going to be beneficial or not, but I am going to connect it to our previous conversation today. I probably should have just made this a today's focus episode, but. We, do, we try to do one Today's Focus episode per day. So we'll just say this is Today's, fo- today, today's Focus adjacent. It's, it's connected to, right? So we talked about experimental, ex- experiential. Now we come to the book, Come and See the Journey of Knowing God Through Scripture. If I turn the cover over to the back, this is what we read. This little book is meant as a guide map to help you make sense of what scripture is saying. Now, I immediately I love that because I approach the scriptures that way. Not experimental, not experiential. I approach it as I want to open the Bible to know to make sense of what the scripture is saying. I want to under I want to observe it and I want to understand it and I want to interpret it. I want to uh, I want to do observation I want to do interpretation way before anything else, before about whatever, however that, uh, devotional from the 1800s meant exper- experiential, how, how, um, uh, experimental, however it meant experimental and however we understand experiential, before we even get to those classifications, even before we even try to hint at that, I want to know the scriptures. I want to, I want to interpret them correctly because I can't, any, anything else, if it's based, if it's motivated, just think about this. If you, some people say, well, the scriptures are more about living them than knowing them. But if you don't know them correctly, then how can you living them out be correct? So I'm more about knowing them, understanding them. So this fact that this little book is meant as a guide to help me make sense of what the scripture is saying, you've got my attention. Then right underneath that, we have two paragraphs. Studying the Bible is a lifelong journey. Some days it feels like an adventure. Other times you might feel lost, or struck, or stuck along the side of the road. Now I love that. I do love that illustration. That some days it feels like an adventure. I mean, some days you got your Bible, you got a notebook. You got a pencil, you got reference tools. And it's like, this is an adventure. I can't wait to see where this goes today. And you're loving every bit of it. You're you're loving it. You're enjoying it. It's, it's fun. And then sometimes you're like, wait a minute. I think we took a wrong turn at Albuquerque and now I am lost. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't have a clue here. I don't have a clue. Other days, you feel like uh, you're stuck along the side of the road. And what I love about this, It's because I try to make this podcast about theology, Bible study, devotional material. I, I go through these same emotions. Sometimes I'm sitting in front of the microphone. It feels like an adventure, man. I just like, it's going, it's going. Sometimes I'm like, I'm lost. I don't even know why I'm podcasting. I don't even know what I'm doing. What am I even trying to accomplish? And in other days I feel completely stuck. So, Because this is adjacent to, well, all of the time I'm reading scripture and listening to sermons, some of these same emotions apply. The good news is that there are learnable approaches to interpreting God's word, and the trip is even better when you have friends to walk alongside you. Now, it may be great when you have friends to walk alongside you. What I wish is I wish the church was made up of people who were just as interested in studying the scriptures as yeah, because sometimes I feel like it, that you don't have anyone in church who really wants to. But that's that's a different podcast. But um I are there learner learnable are there learnable approaches to interpreting God's word? I, I think there are learnable uh principles. I just obviously I get frustrated with that obviously they don't lead to the same conclusions, but all right, we can talk about that. And come and see scholar Jonathan Pennington, this is from the back of the book, teaches effective ways to study the Bible. Presented as a journey with three friends, each of these travelers' unique personalities illustrates a different approach to scriptural interpretation. Informational, which I think I tend to be more informational. Philological, I love those two. I love informational and theological. And then, of course, here's the third, transformational. Now, I do wish and hope the Bible will transform, But just we always have to remember, whatever, no matter how transformative we think scripture is, and I know this is going to go counter to how most Christians approach it. You can say application is what matters. Transformation is what matters. Well, you can emphasize that. But I know that no matter how much you emphasize transformation, there's a limit to that transformation because you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be sinless. You're never going to be truly holy. Not if you believe holy means to be completely separate and other than sin. So whatever transformative power you think there is, there's a limit to it. That's just a reality. Equipped with all three indispensable approaches, you'll gain the direction you need to understand the Bible and know God more. All right? Uh And then I have some reviews here. So let's let's just open up the book. I was going to read some of those reviews. Here we go. As soon as you open up the book, come and see. The very first thing is you get more reviews. So I'll just read the reviews that are inside here. All right. Here's what we have. All right. Number one, I remember sitting in Pennington's class when he presented three avenues of reading the scriptures. I had been taught to only read in one way, but I realized that this was a more beautiful practice. People throughout church history have naturally read with this approach. Let Pennington guide you to a better reading where knowing God will come to life, not only in your mind, but in your whole being. Now, I think that's a little, I think that's overselling it. I, I think that's overselling it. And it would be interesting. Do you think the the church throughout church history has approached the scriptures Three avenues, three avenues in reading the scriptures? Or do you believe in church history, there's only basically been approached one way? I, 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 that, that's an interesting thought. Then this one says, the come and see Jonathan Penitent serves as a faithful guide on the road trip of Bible reading. The church is in need of an integrative approach. Uh, yeah, an integrative approach to reading the Bible. Approaches that emphasize information, doctrine, and transformation. This is what the book is all about. If you want to be a better student of the Bible, do not wait to grab a copy of Come and See. Now, I, we're gonna, I'm going to turn over here. Okay, there's the contents, and then here's introduction. So, before we start the introduction, I, I've got to ask this question. I've got to ask this question. Right now, and I'm, I'm going to be moving things around on the table, and, and because now I'm just I'm thinking out loud. So I've got my pencil in my hand. I feel like that about 80% of my Christian life, 90% of my Christian life, from the time I was a Christian, the time I became a Christian from a teenager all the way to 2023, that I have heard over and over. And over 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 again, the same two things. I've I've heard it over and over and over. We need a different way to approach. We need to approach or we need a different way to approach preaching. We need a different way to preach. We need a different way to teach. We need a different way to approach our sermons. We need a different way to present the Bible truth. We need a different we need to we need to improve it. We need a different way. The problem in the church is we need to fix our preaching. We need to fix our teaching. We need to engage people this way in our preaching, or we need to do this in our preaching, and we need to stop doing this in our preaching, and we need to do this in our teaching, and we need to stop doing this in our teaching. That's the problem in the church, is that we're preaching the wrong way. We need a unique, a a revolution in how to present a sermon. We need to be less of this, more of this, less of that. And I've I've read all of those books, and you know, it must be verse by verse. No, it must be. Everyone's got their system. Everyone has their idea. Everyone has their method. And it's always sold that if we will adopt this new way of preaching, this new way of teaching, it will be Utterly transfer- transformative. The church will never be the same. The church will, will experience the Christian life in a way that they can't even imagine. It's almost like, hey, if you'll preach this way, everyone will be holy. Everyone will be godly. Everyone will have perfect lives and perfect everything. And they're going to be the perfect wife, the perfect husband. Everything's going to be perfect. There's going to be you know rainbows and unicorns and 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 everyone gets a a box of skittles i mean it's just it's just over the top the way it's sold but it's like you've got to you know i used to preach this way and then i started preaching this way and my church went from one person to 3000 there's and and everyone will go to that preacher to go to their conferences to learn their method and to learn their style that that is that is a common thing in the christian world the christian world is always i hate to say this selling the new invention the new method and so i hear that all the time that we have to change our preaching second thing i've heard over and over and over christians need to know a new way to read the bible a new way to study the bible we need these n- because the old way is not working so why well you got to have a new book you got to have a new series you, a new sermon series you got a new conference you got and it seems like that the the christian world the christian industrial complex has to constantly be pointing out, it's basically like advertising, right? Advertisements, right? Just like you do an advertisement, just like you do on, you know, advertising on television or anything else. You gotta show everyone there's a need, right? Are you tired of your church looking like this? Are you tired of the Christian life being like this? Are you tired of struggling? Are you tired of this? Well, here's what we need to fix it. And then they come up with a solution, and the solution always involves a new book a new video, a new sermon series, a new conference, and then you go run to that. And until give it five years, then we need something new. So when I hear that, how did that first one read? How did that first one read? Let's see, i got to find the page. Um, the church is in, in need of an integrative approach to reading the Bible. So, so we, have a, we have to have a new way, a new way. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't know. 2,000 years and we still can't figure out how to preach and we still can't figure out how to read and we still can't figure out how to study? I think that there's study. I think it's not about needing new ways. I think we just need to have people learn the actual ways of study. We people need methods, I do believe that. But let's see how the book approaches it. All right, first, Introduction. The introduction, we're just going to go through the introduction and then I'm going to challenge you to buy the book, come and see by Jonathan Pennington. And you can, you can make your own conclusions, but I at least want to introduce it by going to their introduction, because I'm assuming this is going to give us what we really need here. All right, here we go. And then we'll look at the structure of all the chapters. All right, here we go. Introduction, starting out, road trip, exclamation mark. All right, so. They're really going to drive this road trip analogy, it seems like. And I think that's a good analogy in a lot of ways. I like that analogy. So we'll see. Now, immediately it gives us three scriptures, right? Three scriptures. The first one is Psalm 66, 5. Psalm 66, 5. I am going to grab my Bible over here. Psalm 66, 5. I got two of them. I'm going to use the one that is just the closest to me. Psalm 66, 5 just because I want to see if the whole verse is being quoted. Psalm six five. we read this. Come and see the wonders of God. His acts for humanity are awe-inspiring. So come and see the wonders of God. Uh, this, the way he has it in the book, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds and towards the children of man. Now, I would stop right here, and I would just, I'm just going to challenge you. Look up Psalm 66, 5, and when the psalmist says, come and see, what does he mean? Come and see. How, How does he want you to see? Is he telling you, come and see and learn a new method of Bible study so that you can see the awesome deeds that he has done? Or is he saying, come and see and look? Like, what is he telling you to come and see? Come and see a new method of Bible study so that you can see the scriptures. Is he saying, come and see the scriptures? What is the psalmist saying in Psalm 66? J- just, just my own question. You, you can look at it and see what you think. Maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll come back to Psalm 66, five and do a little work on it. Next is Psalm 34, eight. Psalm 34.8. Right, I'm going to turn over here. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. Right? So they quote Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. So we have come and see, taste and see. Come and see, taste and see. Now, in Psalm 34, 8, what does he mean? What does the psalmist mean about taste and see. How does he want you to taste? How does he want you to see? Is he saying, come and see by learning a new Bible study method so that you can truly come and see what God is saying in scripture? Taste and see, is it saying, learn a new Bible study method so that you can truly, that you taste and see through Bible study? Or is or the psalmist have a different idea in mind? And I'm not saying that that idea cannot translate over to, yes, approaching the Bible, that's how we come and see, that's how we taste and see. I'm not saying it's not applicable, but I want you to th- stop and look at what the psalmist was actually saying. So, go look and see what the psalmist is actually saying. Next is John chapter 1, verse 46 and verse four, uh, 51. So, let's go to John chapter 1. Go to John chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 46, it says, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him, Come and see. Philip answered. All right. Now there is obviously a historical context where someone is literally saying, Come and see. Like look he's not saying come see, read the Bible. Come and learn it. He's like, Come and literally see. That's that's the obviously the context there. And then uh 51 says verse 51 says then he said truly i tell you you will see heaven open and the angels of god ascending and descending on the son of man again how are you going to how how do you think he meant that they're going to see this how do you what what do you think he meant that they were going to see that how are they going to see that when did they see that so come and see taste and see come and see and that you're going to see this you know you will you you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. When did they see that? All right, now those are the three scriptures. I want you to just go look at them. This is how the introduction begins. If you've ever made a road trip down the center of Tennessee on Interstate Twenty Four t- towards Chattanooga, you you probably recall seeing sign after sign encouraging encouraging you to see Ruby Falls. The invitation to come and see Ruby Falls is painted on countless barn roofs and highway billboards along the way. They never say more than that, adding to the intrigue. You have to Google it to learn who or what Ruby Falls is, or you can take the exit and see for yourself. All right, so you're traveling in Tennessee. And sign after sign, see Ruby Falls, see Ruby Falls. They don't tell you anything. They just tell you, to, in a sense, come and see. You either stop and see, or you have to do some research to find out about it. Either way, you'll learn that Ruby Falls is a stunning waterfall, 1,120 feet below the surface of Lookout Mountain. It was discovered in 1928 and named after the wife of one uh, of, of, of one of the excavators, The uh, the the C ruby fall signs are an invitation to come, to look, to experience something worth seeing. Oh, there's the experiential idea. But they're – obviously, those signs are telling you. They're, they're, they they, you know, they don't give you a lot of information they're kind of ubiquitous, there's a ubiquitous to it, I think is the word. It, it, it's kind of mysterious. You you don't, you don't really know what exactly you're getting into, but then you it's calling you, it's inviting you to come look, to experience something worth seeing. This is a natural response to beauty. When we encounter something beautiful and good, we will inevitably want to tell others about it. Now that's true. If there's a song, I want to tell someone about a song. If there's a TV show, if there's a piece of art or, or anything. Yeah, so I can understand that. I, I, I do understand that. Um, children don't need to be taught to say, dad, mom, look. All right. I, 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 so far, so good. We're, we're talking about Ruby Falls. We're talking about other wonderful things. Yes. Now, how does that relate to scripture? Clearly, that's where they're going to try to take it. Let's see what they say. The Gospel of John includes lots of invitations to look, to behold, to see things wonderful. John the Baptist tells us hear- hearers, look when he sees Jesus walking by because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29 and see uh, chapter 1 verse 36. All right. Amen. We can agree with that. When, when the first two disciples encountered Jesus, he invited them by saying, come and you will see. John 1 39. So they began following him. When another potential disciple, Nathaniel, was skeptical that anything good could come out of Nazareth, his friend Philip used the same words, come and see, to invite him to meet Jesus. And when Nathaniel finally did see Jesus face to face and be believed in him, Jesus promised that he would see much more. You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's John one fifty one. okay? Lots of these invitations to come and see, come and see. Now, some of these invitations are used in a very much in a very historical setting. It's a very literal come and see, right? I think, and, and those ones used in Psalm, I, those, the Psalms, I do want you to go look at those contexts and just say, how did they mean it? Because he's obviously going to take all of this and say, how do we come and see we do through, through scripture? Now, that's true. I'm not disagreeing with that. How do we come and see Jesus? How do we come and see God? It's through the pages of God's word for us. But I just like, and whenever a text is used go, I want us to at least establish that's not what they were. Like, I don't think the Psalms was like, come and see in a Bible study. But, but so I just want you to see what's actually being said. But I do agree with the, the concept, with the, with the illustration. Hey, come and see. How are you going to come and see? You're going to have to get a Bible. You're going to have to dig in let us see if, if that's where they're taking i'm 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 doing a lot of assumption here assuming here but we'll see when the apostle john was pinning these words he wasn't just uh, producing a historical record all these invitations to see simultaneously serve as an invitation from john to his readers okay i think there's probably a little truth to that i think there's truth to that. i think first and foremost we understand it in its historical setting, but I think yes, for the reader is being invited to come and see as well. Uh, I think there's, I can agree with that. This includes us. Okay. I can agree with that. The opening chapter of John's gospel is an invitation for us to come and see Jesus in the pages of Holy scripture. I, I like that. Yeah. Because these invitations in scripture, they're, they're inviting the reader along. I think that's fair. I don't think that that's being, I think that's not being too loose with the text. I think that's fair. More beautiful and more important than seeing Ruby Falls is following the signs in scripture to come and see Jesus. This is because according to John, in seeing, we will come to believe and in believing, we will have eternal life. John chapter 20, verse 31. Now, I believe how we come and see and John is, remember, just now this connects to our Bible study exercise. The seven signs and the seven I am statements, right? The seven signs point to Jesus. We are to come and see Jesus. We're not to come and see ourselves. Now, I think I I do like the fact that it's come and see Jesus, not come and see ourselves, because too many times we've been talking about lately, we make ourselves the, the, the center of the narrative. These same invitations to come and see, to taste and delight in God is found throughout the Bible. The goal of reading the scriptures is not merely to gain knowledge about God or to learn certain benefits and behaviors. All right, now let me just state this. I completely agree that we want more than just knowledge, but we can't downplay the knowledge. It's, to me, Christianity—this is one of the mistakes we've made. We've we've almost so de-emphasized the knowledge portion because we're like, well, knowledge will just puff up. Knowledge will just make arrogant. But all the people with all of this knowledge, all they do is fight and argue. You know, we got to stop worrying about the knowledge. We need to, the Bible is meant to transform us. The Bible is to be lived. It's not just to be known. And so we doubt, to me, this is always minimizing the knowledge portion. I'm not saying that this book will, but I always get nervous when I read that kind of, that that language, right? Uh, The goal of reading the scriptures is not merely to gain knowledge about God or to learn uh, beliefs and behaviors. And that just bothers me. I think the very first goal of scripture is to learn, is to gain knowledge. Because anything that comes after that, the quality of whatever comes after that, whether it's application, whether it's living a life, transformation, whatever experience, whatever word you want to put there, experimental. It will not be of any value if it flows from wrong knowledge. If the knowledge is wrong, everything else is useless. Everything else is useless if the knowledge is wrong. The knowledge has to be the most important part. They go on to say this. The real aim in reading scripture is to see and know God himself. See, once again, so the real real thing is to see and know God. But listen, how can you see and know God if your knowledge about God is wrong? Your knowledge of God has to be based off your knowledge of scripture, right? Because where does the knowledge of God come from? From scripture. Well, if I'm not reading and knowing scripture correctly, then my knowledge of God is incorrect. So how can you say that the real aim is to see and know God? No, the real aim is to see and know the text is to know because through knowing and seeing the text, I will by default know and see God because it's his word that reveals him. I don't know why there's, why are we so scared of knowledge? I I don't understand that. There is a danger in knowledge. We can we can acknowledge the danger in knowledge, but that doesn't mean we 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 emphasize everything else over the knowledge. I, I disagree with that that approach. It says this won't fully occur until the redemption of the world that is called the new creation and the the uh, be, be, beatific vision. Um. Uh, The happiness that comes from seeing God fully. When I say beatific, that reminds me of Catholic, of Catholic university, but okay. All right, but all right. Uh, Mainly, in other words, we're not going to fully know God, truly understand him until the new creation, until we see him. But along the way, we get glimpses of what is to come. This happens, especially through reading and studying the Bible. On this side of the new creation, Scripture is crucial for discovering the meaningful and flourishing life that will last for eternity. Now, see, that last sentence bothers me. Scripture is crucial for discovering the meaningful and flourishing life that will last for eternity. Look, Scripture is absolutely essential for discovering and understanding God. When we discover and understand God, that's where we can get life that lasts for eternity, all right, the road trip experience, all right, so here we go, the road trip experience, let's see how far we can get here, all right, we, we, we're, we're close, we're close, the road trip experience, there is nothing like the anticipation and excitement that comes with a road trip, Perhaps you remember such adventures with friends in high school and college, a small group of friends who share your love for the same music and the same junk food, Food, throwing together a few dollars and hitting the road. Pure joy. You have some destination, semi-plan, roughed out in your head, but that's all. It's really about the adventure as much as it is the destination. The unexpected, scary, or funny things that happen, the jokes that naturally emerge, the split-second decision to take Exit 32 to seek out kicking, kick, kicking ash barbecue, or the world's largest rubber, uh, rubber band ball, those are what makes the memories and immortalize the road trip. Now, I completely agree with that. And, I, and I, in some ways, that's how I try to do the podcast. Some ways, I do love that about Bible study. In fact, I think I've even described the Bible study exercise a little bit of that recently. That like, sometimes we have it roughed out, but sometimes the funnest part of our Bible study exercise or even the funnest part of this podcast is when we just like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. wait. There's there's the world's largest rubber band ball. Wait, wait, there's kicking ash barbecue. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's Ruby Falls. Wait, a, wait. like, And we just we just, we just start, we just go wherever the, the podcast takes us. So I do love that. And I do believe in studying the Bible. It's a lot like that. Sometimes you have a plan, but the fun part is just seeing where you end up. As long as you end up, obviously, with a correct understanding. During a stint as a youth pastor many years ago, I took the high school kids on an 899-mile, two-day road trip from our church in Northern Illinois to our denominations youth conference. Oh, boy. (laughs) In Fort Collins, Colorado. The trip required a bit more detail, detailed organization than the spontaneous road trips uh, of my youth. I was in charge of renting 15 passenger vans, coordinating adult drivers, obtaining insurance, and requesting permission slips and more. All just to get, just think of all the resources and all the money that goes just to getting kids to a youth conference. That, that, that's a whole different podcast, that kind of stuff. Oh, the church. Oh, I don't understand because kids can't learn the Bible sitting in their church, can they? No, okay. All right, nonetheless, it was a road trip and it was a transformative experience for all involved. Of course, it was transformative. The relationships that were formed, the subculture that was created, and the memories that were born combined to make our youth group different than it was before. The subculture that was created? Uh Oh, I don't know. Christian subcultures. I don't know. All right, here we go. Through our long journey together, we came to know and love one another more. Okay. I've been on some of those trips with youth groups and I can't say any of that ever happened, but that's okay. This prepared us to meet with God at the mountaintop experience that only a massive youth conference in the Rockies can provide. So only a massive youth conference in the Rockies can provide you a way to meet with God at the mountaintop experience. That, that is such, I, I'm sorry, that sounds like a marketing ploy. That, that you, no, I'm sorry. I, 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 I 100% just disagree with that. I just, just no, nope, disagree with all of that. If God is omnipresent... And he reveals himself through his word. I don't need to spend all that money to rent 15 passenger vans to travel almost 900 miles just because I can go to a large youth conference. And somehow now that's where I can experience God. No, that's where you get emotionally manipulated. That's okay. But that's, I I digress. Here we go. The significance of those road, the, the significance of the road trip itself, not just the conference, hit home when two years later, I took a group to the next biannual conference, but this time in Indianapolis. Anticipation and expectations were high, especially for those who had been with me on the Colorado trip. And the conference was good. However, because the expedition took less than five hours, something crucial was lost. The trip was relatively quick with just one food stop. Relationships, memories, and stories didn't have enough baking time. Instead of a full course meal, it was an existential snack. It re- I realized more fully that the road trip itself was indeed as important as the conference. Okay, I I, I won't deny that from a human practical experience that the that the trip was probably more important than the conference. I'm not I don't know how spiritually transformative it is. Now he's going to obviously I think attach this to scripture. All right, let's see where he goes with this. This journey matters. Life is not a math problem to merely solve. That's good. I think sometimes I think life is a math problem to merely solve. That's an interesting. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to highlight that. That 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 just one of those things that just jumps out at me. I'm just going to put a mark here. Life is not a math problem to merely solve. I wonder do you approach life that way? I don't know. It is a long series of conscious and unconscious moments that we as humans can only experience sequentially, not knowing fully what is coming next. I do believe it's a, a long series of conscious and unconscious moments that we as humans can only experience sequentially, not knowing fully what is coming next. That, I mean, that's just a fact. The variation of experiences between the familiar, sweetened, and deepened by time, and the new, awakening us again by s- stimulating our curiosity is what makes the journey of our lives meaningful. Okay, I don't know. What, 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 what do you think makes our, the, our, the, our journey through life meaningful? I don't know if it's exactly how he described it, but okay. The classic road trip forges and melds together these experiences into something beautiful. New and spontaneous adventures with old and growing friends. It doesn't get much better than that. That's why we love road trips. Now, just so that you know, not everyone loves road trips. Just so that, you know, there's plenty of people who don't. So once again, you, you can't paint everyone with the same brush because a lot of people don't, but all right. We're almost done with the introduction. I'm I'm, I'm curious where he's going to take this. Here we go. A Journey with Three Friends. This is the next section. Again, we're, we're looking at and reviewing Come and See by Jonathan Pennington. I've told everyone to buy the book. I finally got the book. So now we're... I'm giving you the introduction, and then I'm going to just show you how it's structured. And then, well, hopefully, if you decide to get the book, you'll get something from it. Here we go. This book has has an important subtitle, The Journey of Knowing God Through Scripture. This provides us with the metaphor or image by which we are invited to come and see God. We are going to think about reading the Bible as a journey, as a road trip. Knowing God is not just a pill we can swallow or an app we can open. It is a journey of life experiences that are shaped and interpreted over time by Scripture. I do like that. I think knowing God, being a Christian, it's a journey of life experiences that is shaped and interpreted by time by the Scriptures. That's how it should be. I live my life, Scripture should be central to that life. And as I'm living that life, there's going to be all of these ups and downs and this journey right? And then I have to constantly, what should be shaping my life should be scripture and how I'm trying to interpret my life is by scripture. I do agree with that. I I do like that. The more we understand God's words, oh, see, wait, there we go. The more we understand God's words, the more we will be able to make sense of our complicated lives. See, but it comes with understanding, knowledge, See, I don't think the focus is on the experience or the transformation. It comes with the knowledge, the understanding. This this little book is meant as a guide map to help you make sense of what scripture is saying. It's an invitation to take a road trip the most life-giving and life-changing road trip possible. Once again, it, that focuses on the, the life-giving, the life-changing, the transformation, the experiential or the experimental as we saw in the devotional from the 1800s earlier today. Now it says, but a road trip wouldn't be a road trip without good friends. I don't know, you can make a road trip by yourself and it could still be pretty awesome, but okay, I, I digress. You can make a journey alone. Good can come from such reflective time. But the best trips, the one that shapes us are the one where a small group of people, individuals with their own quirks, strengths, and weaknesses join together on the adventure. I don't know. Do you think that? See, once again, he, he's, speaking, he's speaking from his own experience. Your experience is not my experience. I do believe. I don't know. I don't know. You, you, you can draw your own conclusions. But here we go. Now, I think he's saying this because it's going to fit his entire metaphor. For this road trip, he's talking about the journey of knowing God through scripture. We're joining up with a set of three great friends, Ingrid, Tom, and Taylor. These three friends are different in gender, background, interest, and passions, but they share a bond that is deeper than these limited elements of who they are. And this trip taking together is going to make them better people as they journey jointly and learn from one another. Now, I do love the metaphor, though, a little bit. I do. Here's why I love this metaphor. In my mind, this is some of the frustrations of being a pastor. In my mind, this is how ministry was going to be, right? Here's how it was. I was going to walk into the church. I was going to step behind the pulpit. I was going to open up the word of God, and everybody was going to be like, Yes, I want to learn. Teach me teach me. And then that us together would go on this journey of digging into the scriptures and that we wouldn't just do it on a Sunday that whatever I'm like, okay, we're going to work on this this week. Everybody would be at home and they would be reading and they would be looking up and then they would be calling going pastor. What about this? And then on Sunday they'd be like, Hey pastor, I studied this all week. I can't wait. Oh, we're going to go through first Corinthians. I've already, I've been working on the chapter all week. Here's what I saw. Oh wait, that's the, Oh wait. And then like, there would just be like, we're all, we're a team of people who, all on the journey of learning and studying. And that's what I thought it was gonna be like. And then every year I'd be like, this year we're gonna focus on this. and But then I found out that, no, it doesn't work that way. Most people don't read. Most people don't study. Most people are not interested in doing anything extra when church is over. Most people are not that excited. Most people are not that committed. There's always exceptions in every church and praise God for the exceptions. But a lot of times you kind of realize as a pastor, That you're on the journey yourself, that this is the way, this is kind of how, what it's being a pastor. You're on the journey of reading and studying and learning the scriptures. You get excited and you come and then you're like, this is what it's like. Hey guys, this week, here's where I went on my week long road trip. And you show slides. Look, I learned this and I learned this and I learned this and I learned this. And you're all excited because, you know, you, you, you want to show everyone your slides of what you learn. And then you realize half of the church doesn't even care what you did. And then the other, and then you got someone in the church is going to be like, well, why did you go there? I don't like that. I think that's the wrong way to go. I don't even think that's the right conclusion. And then they start arguing with you. So you either have someone arguing with you, people who don't care. And even the people who do seem to care, they forget about it by the time they leave the church. And and so then you kind of realize, oh, so church is me spending all week on a road trip, learning, loving it, passionate to get in front of a group of people who in most, not in all cases, there's always exceptions, but in many cases, not near as interested or care as much as you do. Now, I'm not saying, look, for me, my experience has been almost flawless, as perfect as it can be as a pastor. I've had a pretty good thing. My church allows me to, to try to get them involved in the process. But even in my little church, there's still some of that either. You've got the people who just want to argue with you and you just give up. You're just like, whatever. And then sometimes you have the people who like they're they're and, And I do love the fact that in many cases, they're honest. Look, I'm not going to do anything extra. Not going to read anything extra. Not going to do anything extra. I'll be here on Sunday. But and so you just and so sometimes you just kind of feel like you're on. Ministry can really destroy this image. I love the imagery though, man. You got three friends. They're all different perspectives, but they're all passionate about the same thing. Let's see where he takes this. They share a bond that is deeper than these limited elements of who they are. And this trip taken together is going to make them better people as they journey jointly and learn from one another. Let's imagine this is a long trip, one where the friends need to share the driving. As the rules of the road trip go, the driver gets gets to choose the music and the podcast to listen to. Ingrid, Tom, and Taylor we'll each take turn behind the wheel and each will set the tone for his or her leg of the journey. And that's one of the things I love about my church is because the way I teach, they do allow me the freedom to teach the way I do because I teach with this mindset. Like, hey, this Sunday, here's the road. We're like... I know I've supposed to been on the road trip all week, but I try to show up on Sunday and go, we're going to go on the road trip for the next two hours. And if you'll be here for Sunday school, Sunday morning and Sunday night, then we're going to be on three hours of a road trip. And if you'll come back on Wednesday, we'll be on four hours of a road trip. And then I want them to be a part of it. I want them answering questions, looking things up, offering perspective. I want them engaged in it. I I like this imagery because, and it's the way I try to do the Bible study exercise. I'm like, hey, guys, let's all go on a road trip together. I want you to participate. I want your, I want your thoughts. I want you to, I, I, like, I'm right there with you. So I love the imagery. This is right up my alley in the way I, I try to approach things. You may have already sum, summarized or surmised what I'm doing with these images. These three friends each represent a certain mode of reading a particular timber, a kind of approach that is distinctive of the person. Ingrid loves information, and when she is driving, it's all about the podcast. She fills the cars with historical and literary insights. Tom is a theologian at heart. He loves to discuss fine points of doctrine, how the whole Bible fits together, and how the church has understood these great theological truths. Taylor emphasizes transformation, Taylor, okay, for some reason I may have referred to Taylor as a he, but Taylor is a she. Uh, Taylor emphasizes transformation. She always directs the conversation back to real life, to the practical outworking of, of what all their discussion means. Together, these three friends create something that is stronger, richer, and more beautiful than what any one of them could be accomplished individually. Now, I do like that. I've always wanted, like, there's a part of me that I believe the Bible study exercise at times feels like that, that there's two or three or four or five, there's a group of people and they're like, they're invested and they have their perspective. And time and time again, I'll, I'll like, wow, I'll, I'll maybe modify my perspective because of what I saw. But, but it's hard to find those people who, who will be with you together through it. But this is the way I wanted church to be. This is the way I, I wanted church to be. All right. Um, so and, and because I believe to working together, we create something stronger, richer, and more beautiful by working together. Together, these three approaches to reading scripture, informational, theological, and transformational provide a robust and meaningful path of knowing God through the study of the Bible. Now, I got no problem taking these three approaches, informational, theological, and transformational. But I want to make it very clear. You do not play down the informational or the theological just to get to the transformational. Now we're down to the last paragraph, but no road trip would be complete without the delicious and spontaneous side trips throughout the, throughout the three legs of our journey. Let, okay, let me read here. Here we go. Throughout the three legs of our journey, led and turned by Ingrid, Tom and Taylor, we're going, we're also going to pause at a few exits to eat and ponder some beautiful things. These side trips are direct, directly in the path of our destination, but they're not more. They're not mere detours either. These side trips aren't directly in the path of our destination, but they, but they're not more detours either. They're enriching moments that will provide a kind of experiential glue to the whole journey. And surprisingly, when we look back on the journey as a whole, we will see that these side trips were really connected all along. They're all related to supersized questions of how of how we know anything, like any good side trip, therein lies the real adventure. So let's begin. Come and see, right? So now let me let me stop here because, in a roundabout way, this is what I've been trying to do with the Bible study exercises forever. Right? Guys, we're gonna go on a road trip for the next seven weeks. Join me. Let's do this. Now, here you go. You got the curriculum. That's kind of just a map. That gives us a general map. We may follow it. Now, while we're going through it, I take these detours, okay? Like I've given you a detour this week. I want you to do the Bible reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app of what? The Bible reading plan on the seven signs of John and the seven I am statements because it connects it to Elijah and Elisha. I think that's fascinating, but it's very much connected to our work on the Gospel of John. We've been looking at these seven signs, which is still very much adjacent and very much connected. They seem like detours, but they're not. I I I, I always want a group of people. I'm always trying with the Bible study exercise to find that group of people who are willing to come along and participate. I, I, I've i always wanted that at church as well. Look, it's great that you're participating on a Sunday. But in my mind, I want you participating Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I want you contacting me going, well, what about this and what about that? Showing up Sunday going, okay, uh, this is what I found. Because that by that working together, you may have somewhat of a different perspective. But those two perspectives, even though they differ, when they come together, they make something stronger, something more beautiful. The same thing happened you know on, on the Discord channel, many times with those participating in the Bible study exercise, showing me their homework i'd look at their homework and go like, "Wow, man, I didn't think about that. Many cases would lead me right back to the microphone to then go well let's think about this or even may give a new assignment that that's that's the way I've always envisioned it so i love I love this I love the uh I love the whole thing. And it says, so let's begin Come and See. That's the introduction to the book Come and See by Jonathan Pennington. I challenge you to buy a copy of this book. But here is how the book is structured out, All right? Here is how it's structured out. Each chapter, so we're going to go through these three different ways of reading scripture, informational, uh, theological, and transformational. The first stage of the journey is informational reading. And it says you are here. The first stage: informational reading with Ingrid. Read through, th- uh, read through three avenues. Side trip: maps and seeing, understanding different literary genres. Side trip two: reading in Saint Peters- Peters- Petersburg and other places. Avoiding common interpretive mistakes. All right. So it, it, it looks like a, like almost like a road trip. You get to the end. Um, then it says here, you know, you it keeps saying you are here and it gives you these little things to do. Then it says take a turn at the will. It gives you some uh, at the will at at the will, at the will. Yeah, at the will. I don't know why I I I think I'm saying it incorrectly. Um and then it gives you some uh, assignments to do, which I love. Gives you uh some uh resource material, the dictionary of biblical imagery. Ooh, that sounds good. Um the Zond- Zondervan Illustrated Bible Background Commentary. That sounds good. The uh, Baker Illustrated Bible Background Commentary. I think we need to get, I think we need to, we may need to make a new PDF file of some, uh, of some tools. Um, yeah, we may look at some of those. And it gives you, uh, then it gives you another thing. So it gives you assignments throughout it. Oh, this is good. And when it tells you to take a, a turn at the wheel, it's basically letting you getting an opportunity to drive the car. Oh, this is good stuff. Oh, wow. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna have to do something with this book. We're gonna have to do something with this book. Come and see. I cannot, I cannot stress to you, you gotta, you gotta get this book. All right, let me just give you an example. All right, so. I'll just, I I know, because I'm kind of looking at it going, well, that we did enough. All right. So, like, let me give you an example here. Chapter one. Okay. Filling up the tank. A lot of good information. Then it says you are here. Then it says. uh, All right. Well, I want to dig into that. Oh, well, we're going to. We're gonna work on this. All right, but well, here we go. Take your turn at the will. I'll just give you an example. Take your turn at the will. Uh, read it says. Read Matthew or read Matthew. Read Mark chapter six verses six through twelve. Read Mark chapter six verses six through twelve. And this is what it says. The main point of this passage is clear enough. Jesus sent out his disciples to do the same kind of proclaiming and restoring work that he himself was engaged in. This is on the job training for the church's continuing work after Jesus' return to the Father. But there's also a historical cultural element in this story that we may not immediately, that may not be immediately clear. What did Jesus mean when he told his disciples to shake off the dust of their feet as a testimony against those who reject their message? This is a cultural practice and an expression that we need help understanding. You can certainly Google the expression and find some helpful and some unhelpful explanations. But the best thing to do is to look at a reputable, at a, basically a reputable, uh, resource, like a Bible dictionary or a Bible background commentary. These can be found in print or in digital form. And then they give us a list of them. So you can look up the word dust or the phrase shake off dust and look for references to Mark 6, 11. So find something that is trustworthy. Use those resources and look up that information. That's a good exercise. So that's the kind of stuff I do for the Bible study exercise right there. That's exactly the kind of stuff I do for the Bible study exercise. All right. Then, okay, it says take your turn at the will. Read Psalm 8. How is the Psalm structured? Are there repeated phrases? Type or write out this short Psalm and try indenting lines to indicate the structure. If 8 1 and 8 9 frame the whole Psalm, how do the sent- statements relate to the, to the other verses? See, giving you a chance to work on structure and how something is structured. All right, I I won't go through all of them, but there's plenty of them in the book. You need – I wish the book was longer. I wish they would just give you constantly all of these exercises. But this is what I try to do for the Bible Study Exercise podcast. And guess what? Guess what is the most unsuccessful thing I do every week? The Bible Study Exercise the most unsuccessful. Right now, if I was to turn on the microphone and talk about trans, the shooting in Nashville and transgenderism, I would probably get, I would get who knows how many downloads. If I turn on the microphone this evening and say, let's work on, uh, you know, John chapter two and second Kings, I believe four and the miracle of Elisha and try to find parallels and correlation. Guess what? Won't have anywhere near the same downloads. Now, that's just a reality. If I I chase what's hot, if I chase what's trending, I'll get the downloads. If I don't chase it and say, hey, try to get people involved in Scripture. Like this morning, we had a discussion about is the Bible experimental or uh, experiential? Experimental or experiential? That hasn't sparked any discussion, but uh, there's I, if I do anything a little bit controversial i'm I'm going to get the emails. That's just the way it works. But there's the book, come and see I like the I like the imagery. I like the imagery. And I hope this podcast can be that that we can all be a group of people all committed. To, to the pursuit of learning what the Bible says, and we do it together with different perspectives, and but we do it in a way where it's not fighting and arguing. It's doing it where we're working together to get further down the road to discovery and to keep the focus not on us but on Christ. This book, Come and See, by Jonathan Pennington, it's going to show up. I, I, there's no way I'm not going to. I'm not. There's no way I'm going to be able to read this book and not turn these into either t- today, folk, today's focus podcast episodes, and uh, my own podcast series, Bible study exercise. These are. It's. I'm going to be spending a lot of time in this book. So if you get the book and you read it, let me know what you think. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo Newsif at yahoo.com. And I want you to really think about. How do you approach reading scripture? Do you have these three approaches? Informational, theological, and transformative. I tend to look at it. I read the Bible first uh, through observation. This is where I always go observation, observation. I just want to observe it. I don't want to try to understand it. I don't want to try to interpret it. I don't want to question it. I just want to observe what's there. After I get my observation, then I move to interpretation. Then I move to application. So I, I think I've kind of followed the same Approach in some way, shape, or form. And that interpretive would be theological. So he goes uh, informational, that's my observational. He calls it um, theological, I call it interpretive or hermeneutical. And then third, he calls it transformative, and I would call it application. So I think I've followed the same approach. And I love the. The the imagery that he created there to, uh, to a large part. There's certain parts of that, the stories there that irritated me. But for the most part, I love it. So let me know what you think about the book. And if you've got a copy of the book, what do you think? Are you going to get the book? What do you think about this? What's your thoughts? News, so, I-F at yahoo.com. News, I-F at yahoo.com. News, I-F at yahoo.com. Yeah, I'm taking a drink of water because just for dramatic pause effect, right? All right. Thanks for listening. We'll do something probably later this evening. God bless.